Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa football's incoming freshman recruiting class just got smaller. According to a report from Hawkeye Reports Blair Sanderson, Michigan defensive lineman Jalen Hunt will not be enrolling at the university. Hunt didn't qualify through the NCAA Clearinghouse and will head off to Iowa Western and have to graduate from the junior college before transferring to a D1 program. Hunt picked the Hawkeyes over offers from Michigan State, Missouri, Boston College, Louisville, and Kentucky. Prize pitching prospect Adbert Azale has got the call up to the big leagues from the Iowa Cubs. Left-hander Tim Collins was designated for assignment to make room for Azale. To baseball from yesterday, and the Cubs jumped on Lucas Giolito early. The call from the Cubs TV network, Contreras added another home run in the game, his 15th of the season. It took 11 innings, but the Cardinals walked it off against the Marlins. Goldsmith with a drive, and let's go home. Get into Big Mac land. He launched it. It's over. 2-1 Cardinals. That one he kept fair. We're out of here. 14th home run of the year for Paul Goldschmidt on the call from Fox Sports Midwest. MLB for tonight, it's the Cubs hosting the Mets. Tyler Chatwood gets the call for the Cubs. The Twins travel to Kansas City to face the Royals. And the Cardinals and Marlins complete their series. We'll join that game right here on 1460 KXNO after Barnstormers Weekly, live from Mac Shack in West Des Moines. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day long right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Hour number two on a Thursday. Miller and Connick continues 1460 KXNO. Glad to have you aboard with us here today. Horse racing going on on the TV and though Ken Miller isn't here, Emery Sunger in control of things. Hi, you you were the one that gave me the channel, so you're partially <laughs> to blame. Well, I haven't even got down on any of these races. I, I need to make this worth my while here. It's make hard. A little money. It, it's hard because it's such a different... You're watching the race that just ran, uh-huh. the Britannia Stakes. There was like 30 horses in that race, and they're going in a straight line <laughs> on grass. It, it's just a very... It's a different vibe for sure. Right. Yeah. But if you want to get in on that, I mean, I'm sure there's a way you could. I just would be of zero help to you. You're not going to help me make money, is what you're saying? I just don't. I I I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust me to make picks on what's going on at Royal Alaska. Yeah, it's all it's all in good fun. I understand that horse racing is not exactly a winning proposition for many people. You you got basically got to play like a bunch of races to have a shot to win. It's an entertainment tax, just like sports amazing. wagering is for me. It is Absolutely. an entertaining uh, entertainment tax and. Well, I'll probably be getting down tonight. Uh, already uh, a little baseball, NBA draft. We talked about Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah. So you mentioned one year he comes in, a kid from Illinois, mm. top fifty player, but not what many people believed was going to be a one and done player. Nah, he is one and done. But so I came up with this theory yesterday. I want to run it by you. And you, as a Cyclone fan, the, the fashion that Iowa State basketball was last year. Some expectations coming into the year. Certainly after a disappointing year the year previous, I think the baseline was NCAA tournament. Yeah. Really good start. Then they had that fade towards the middle of conference play. 
it was a frustrating basketball year overall. There were so many moving parts from Wigginton coming off the bench after the injury. Tayden Horton Tucker kind of exploding on the scene. Maui. And then being very inconsistent at times, just being a chucker out there. And he, on and he, on. Was, he disappeared in some yeah. big moments. Cam Lard, I mean, just the, the ongoing saga that was him last year. That was not an Iowa State team. The Big 12 tournament was great, but they, it's still... They, they showed you that they could be one of the eight or ten best teams in the country. They're at talented. Times. Yeah. But it wasn't a great team. This isn't a beloved team. And because of that frustration fair, yeah. and him being a part of it... Maybe that's why he just hasn't been as embraced I'm, as much. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that at all. Here's the thing. The talent of the guys individually, mm-hmm. maybe one of the most talented rosters top to bottom Iowa State's ever had. Yeah. For Mariel Shayok, who a one-year player. Now, he wasn't a freshman, but a one-year player nonetheless. Um, you have Taylor Horton Tucker, Lindell Wigginton, who, you know, after he tested the waters last year, you weren't really sure where his head was at, like how dedicated to... And, and, I mean, he had some big moments as well. He was a shot maker for them. But it's guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Cyclones fans love, right? Mm-hmm. Because he tries really hard, and you can tell that he loves doing what he does, and he's a team-first guy, and he knows where he's at, right? Yeah. Wigginton may not get drafted at all. Taylor Horton Tucker... I don't think he will. Probably won't. No. Taylor Horton Tucker is not, not a first-round draft pick. I mean, see, he's a guy that you could still stash for a playoff roster that's loaded. You know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I would be surprised to hear his name called. A lot of the mock drafts I'm seeing is they're saying in the 35 to 40 range. Yes, that, that's pretty much. And what I'm not I've even. Too, yeah. And I'm not even sure that's a good idea. I mean, guys who have had better short careers at in, in college. And Iowa State had an amazing year, and he had some really good moments, and he showed a little bit of that kind of weird... He's kind of like a big lug when mm-hmm. you see him physically, yeah. but he shows a lot of... like He's had some surprising bounce and, and some uh, athleticism with his long and strong body. It, so you're right. Like In theory, this would be a nice project to have, but I think the reason a lot of Iowa State fans are just kind of turned off on him, at least right now, is because... There was no reason to believe that he shouldn't have come back for a second season. His wingspan immense. His body, he is put together, though he's only 6'4". That 7'1 wingspan can cover a lot of... Where's he playing? Up. Right, that's the thing. Is he is he a two-guard? Well, he's got to certainly be a lot better laterally if he's going to be that. He's going to have to change his body type to play at that. Is he small forward? Then he's given up inches to a lot of guys in the league. Almost everybody he, he faces. Yes. And even with that wingspan, that's only so much that can cover up with that. He has to be much better as a shooter. He, he's not He's not like he was never the go-to scorer. Right. In big-time moments, he was maybe the fourth guy that you were looking to to score the basketball. So he is, I think, yeah, I think he's destined to be a pick, a team like the Celtics that have a lot of dudes and they can afford to stash him. They can put him in the G League for a year or two, go that route, and see what he can turn into. I, I think that would be a potential landing spot for him, but not in the first round. You know, I, I thought about the Celtics, but and though they seemingly always have a lot of picks with what Danny Ainge does every single year, they're he's final. Over, he's overrated. That team's falling apart at the same It is. And I, I, I think he's more to blame than people are giving him credit for. Well, and they're going to have to change on the fly what they're doing. You know, a lot of people believe that they were going to Is that be, a good spot for a guy like Horton Tucker, though? I don't think so. They, they pick at 22. You're not taking Taylor Horton Tucker at Defin- 22. Definitely not taking him at, at 22. They do have, I think they pick at 40. 
Yes. Uh, Sacramento's at 40, they're, but they're in that range, yes. Okay, so so he might be available for them in the second round, but mm-hmm. like you're, here's my thing, right? I was trying to think of teams that would fit these Iowa State guys that are trying to get drafted, right? Mm-hmm. And that counts Lard and Shayok, right? I, I guess, and Horton Tucker obviously was the best prospect when they all kind of declared based on the fact that exactly what you're talking about. Upside. There's a lot of upside because he's just kind of a freak body wise, yeah. right? Like, so I was thinking about like the teams that would make sense for him, and I. This is gonna sound stupid, but I I couldn't think of a good one. I I think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be taken by a team that's gonna. Hey, you're G leaguing it up for a year or two mm-hmm. while we try to figure out what the heck you are, and then we can try to make that. Style of play adaptation, I guess, to have you be a part of the rotation. But is this guy anything more than just a, a sh- potential volume scorer and maybe a kind of a maybe a three and D type guy? I, I don't. That's what he has to turn into. I, I think that's the way that six, he finds. Four, I, yeah, I, I don't know if you can do anything else, and it's going to have to be a team that really embraces run and gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe like a Brooklyn, good spot. Even yeah. a, even a Houston, you know, like a lot of threes. A quick pace, mm-hmm. and, and they need to use nine or ten guys realistically to, you know, maybe even Golden State, like like teams that need, they need bodies on the floor, and if guys like Alfonso McKinney mm-hmm. and and Kevon Looney can get big minutes for Golden State and Quinn Cook, they are good at like one or two things each. Yes, and I think Taylor Horton Tucker can find an each with the right team mm-hmm. in the right role. It won't be big minutes, especially early. There's a chance that he could fit into that mold. But well, Iowa State fans are like, dude, if you wait another year, your draft prospects will only go up. Well, it's funny, too, when you brought up Golden State, because for the last couple of seasons when we've been talking about the local guys and the guys that need more development, hey, maybe the Warriors would take a shot on whatever player it's been that we've been talking about the last couple of years. That situation is so different now. With the injuries to Durant, even if he exercises the option, of course, the impending free agency of Clay Thompson. Both those guys are going to be out for Durant the whole year for Clay Thompson. Best case scenario, I think, is he's back right after the All Star break there in late February. But with those guys, their roster construction has to be so much different than it's been in past years where I don't think they can afford to go out and look at a player that is more of a developmental player, more of a guy that can impact the team two, three, four years down the line. They're going to be looking for more immediate help than they ever have before just because of their roster construction, what could happen with them going forward. So, so many different avenues here. I'll tell you one thing, though. Right on the heels of the NBA Finals, to have the NBA draft this quickly and the quick turnaround, boy, it seems way too fast. The NFL, the, the NFL, I think the lead-up almost becomes a little bit too much. Because it, it, you forget how many, like it is like four months. Yes. Between, almost four months between the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. the draft. I mean, it is. It's overkill. I, I become bogged down with it. Luckily, I have my favorite sport, college basketball, to get me through that time. And, and Ken, though he would want to talk about it every day, I say, hey, we got college hoops going on. Let's, let's slow down on too much of the NFL draft because we got April to get into that. And, yeah. and that's what it turns after we get through the final and, four. And when, yeah, and, and the combine and stuff, like a lot of guys start moving late in mm-hmm. the draft stock. Yes. And college basketball ends in early April, so while the NBA playoffs are going on, you couldn't get to simmer on what these college prospects might be. But with free agency starting on you know, July 1st, you have to get the draft out of the way. 
You see a lot, and this is why it's become such a 365-day league. And this is, I think, you need to shorten the season. The regular season in the NBA is meaningless now. We know who the good teams are. And the good teams, man, how often have you seen a team come out of absolutely nowhere to be finals? There was one year of it, and it was a short uh, strike-shortened year. Right. When the Knicks 20 years ago were an eight seed. It, made it was it a 50-game schedule where you don't have that impact where it stretches it out. You know, do something where you shorten the season to 74 games. I mean, you still got to get gay. You still have to do you, those things. I, I don't even know if you need that many. But you do. I, I, you, you I do. was thinking 58 to 60. No, but it's not going to happen. I, I, I mean, like it to live happen. in reality. It wouldn't happen, maybe. Yes. But it makes more sense because Kawhi Leonard didn't really have any injury to speak of this year. No. And sat out 22 games. Mental health breaks is what they used. I got a story I can't tell on air, unfortunately, about Nick Nurse and what he had to go through with Kawhi this year. But that aside, it's, I like to live in reality. We all have these great theories, right? 60 games, I agree. That, I mean, that's fine. That's Basketball's a good amount of going games. on. In the professional, in the NBA, like you said, the finals ended, what, like Friday? Yeah. Last, Thurs- last Thursday? Last Friday? Thursday. It was Thursday. Yeah. So it's a week ago. A week later, we're having the draft. It's too close. And, then and if like we got a, a Game 7, it another, would have died to be. Right. It would have been like four days. Yeah. And then if you think about it, it's another week and a half till free agency, and all mm-hmm. these guys are going to be changing teams, and that'll take a week, two weeks. And then after that, you have all the press conferences mm-hmm. of these guys getting introduced to their new teams, and the Summer League starts going on. Right. And then after that... Then we have training camps, and then it goes. It's and then we in the middle of October we're back playing games that matter again. But sixty games will never happen. The owners will never go for it. They're not going to give You're up right. eleven home dates every year. You're right. That's not going to happen. But so it's st- to, it, it still doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. But living in reality, what you could come to is a proposal. All right, we're going to shorten it to seventy four games. You're going to lose four home games, but those last couple of seeds, a tournament. A one-and-done type tournament. Oh, now now you're talking my language. Top six seeds from each side automatically are in the playoffs, and then the seven and eight seed, you're playing it off. Why couldn't we do the whole league? Why, why don't, why, I, I like your five or six teams from each conference get, get locked in. Yeah. Or maybe we just do away with conferences. That's, why don't, why that's don't another we, Why don't we just say the, the top eight teams are in? And we have 30. The remaining eight spots? We have 30 teams in the league, so we have 22 teams. Mm-hmm. Or the the summer league does little mini yeah, tournaments yeah. that involve every team, no matter how good they were for the four or five games they play in the summer league. They have a little mini tournament all the way. Everybody has a chance in the conference tournaments. Pretty much everybody in the country has a chance to make it to the big dance because as long as they win their conference tournament, single game to start out with eliminate some of them, and then as you get closer, like the last four spots, maybe three you do like a, a three game series. Where's Adam Silver? Get him on the line. This Tyler, would be, call him up. This, 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 we got to figure like, it out. Sign, sign me up for that. we got to figure it if, out. If we can take a month out of the regular season, just chop it out yeah. and do that. Now, what is going to happen with the playoff teams at that point? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, that, like, that. you got to figure that out. But mm-hmm. but it, are you telling me like right now that this – who wouldn't watch this? Yeah. I don't think it has to be month-long. It might be a week-long. And that's why I think a one-and-done would work well. And you put them all in one Vegas, day, yeah. bang. Oh, but, uh, Who's but, not going to Vegas to watch that? Well, okay, but at the same time, like even though you would want to do that, I think maybe you like pot it. Okay, right? Yeah. Like you have like opening round four, four or five, like four teams 
or four games maybe and certain pods. And then as like we get through each round, yeah, we have like little two day tournaments, and then the final then four the meets next, in the next, Vegas. The next pod, somebody hosts the next pod, and then you just split the revenue among the teams that are there or yeah. something. It can work. We can make this work, Adam Silver. I like I like it. You got contacts. I, I got contacts. You got better contacts than me. Ugh. I got a contact with Scott Miller. He's going to join us next. We're going to talk Major League Baseball with him, longtime baseball scribe. You see him on CBSSports.com up in Minnesota for a number of years with the St. Paul Pioneer Press, now in San Diego. And he'll join us as we come back. Talking baseball next. It's Miller and Condon on 1460. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back with you, Miller and Connick continues 1460 KXNO. Emery Songer in today for Ken Miller. I'm Trent Condon. Time to get into some baseball. Love center field. Love that song. I love talking baseball here in the summer. Joining us right now from Bleacher Report, it's Scott Miller, long time on the baseball beat, and he's here with us today in Des Moines. Scott, what's happening? We got you, Scott? Yeah, yeah. Hello? Hey, there you are. Good to uh, talk to you again. Hey, Scott, it's been uh, certainly a fun baseball season. Big one, crosstown rivalry. Last night, Chicago and the White Sox with the Cubs on the other side of it. Saw Lucas Giolito for the first time in a long time. Have a blip, have a slip-up last night, but he's been one of the big stories of the American League. As you take a look at Lucas Giolito and the future of this White Sox team, my partner today, Emery Songer, is a White Sox fan, so I won't make him feel bad about it. We'll talk White Sox here at the top. It looks like the building blocks are, are starting to form now going into place for the White Sox and a team that certainly looks to have a bright future. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, Jolito's had a fantastic year. He's uh, you're right. He didn't have he didn't have a great game last night, but he is certainly in the conversation for the American League Cy Young Award at the almost halfway point of the season. And that's great news for the White Sox because when they started this rebuild a couple years ago, Jolito and Michael Kopech, the young stud they got from Boston in the Chris Sale trade, um, you know, they were going to be two of their key young building blocks and you know Jolito was awful out of the gate and Kopech went down with Tommy John surgery so it's nice to see Jolito come back Kopech theoretically will be back next year he's gonna miss all of this year um you know Eloy Jimenez is is starting to round into shape and and you know they they're you know despite 
you know, it's kind of crazy that they chased Manny Machado last winter, although I guess it was crazy the San Diego Padres did as well. <laughs> but um, despite failing to get him, you can see where the, definitely the White Sox are. Uh, you know, they're in better shape now than they were a year ago. I am a White Sox fan, Scott, and I, I mean, it is a different. I, I've never watched my team do a full on rebuild. I've watched them win a World Series. I've watched mm-hmm. them try to win and have some good moments in in the playoffs and everything. But I've never had to go through like the full on tear down and then see all these young guys. We were watching minor league games closer than I I've ever before. And now that I see guys like Jimenez and Moncada and Giolito and Kopech when he gets back and Tim Anderson and some of the, even the secondary guys that may not even be with us like Leury Garcia and Yolmer Sanchez and Charlie Tilson and Ryan Cordell, Zach Collins is on the Major League roster now. There's a lot of things to be excited about, but we kind of had this conversation last hour when we were talking Iowa versus Iowa State. The White Sox always will be in the Cubs' shadow, and I, I totally understand that, but how soon do you think that they can really make a huge splash on the national scene? Because, yeah, maybe 500 this year, but is next year the year that they really challenge for the playoffs? Do, do they need another piece, do you think? I know they struck out, like you said, with Machado, who they really wanted, and some of the other guys who were going to be free agents in the next year or two have already signed mega deals to stay where they are. Where's the timeline at to see them kind of be another one of these teams on the national radar that people have to really pay attention to on a game-to-game basis? You know, I think there are a couple different answers there, uh, Henry, and 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 the reason I say that, I think for the national, uh, you know, to be a serious contender nationally, you know, you're talking, uh, you know, can they play with the Yankees and the Red Sox and 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 the Houston Astros? I think that may be two or three years away yet, um, you know, assuming everything continues to come together. I mean, you know, Cole Peck comes back, you know, probably he's assuming he comes back and he's strong. It's, you know, next year it's going to be a little bit early to say, well, he'll be an established major league, consistent, dependable starting pitcher next year. You know, next year probably be the year he gets his feet back on the ground, mate. So I think, you know, for that reason and others, I'm going to say, you know, probably at least two or three years before national contender. But the reason I said I'll give you a couple of answers, the, the one thing I think um, the White Sox are really in a good place uh, given the division in which they're located because the first answer was on the national scene, when can they go toe-to-toe with a Yankee, somebody like that. Now, not being in the Yankees division, you know, next year even, who knows? I mean, they could make some noise in the Central, you know, maybe – challenge for a wild card and or a division title next year. I mean, the Twins clearly are running away with things this year, but, you know, Kansas City's rebuilding, Detroit's rebuilding. The White Sox started their rebuild and are ahead of those two teams as we speak. Cleveland's headed south. Um, You know, I mean, I don't want to bury the Indians prematurely, but, you know, this year they've had some struggles. Obviously, Corey Kluber, that that just crushed them when he got hit with a line drive early this year and his forearm broke it. You know, he's out for most of the season. You know, without Kluber, without Carrasco, who's been out, uh, Clevenger just came back. Um, you know, they're 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 hitting a point where I think they're gonna the reckoning is is going to be here, and they're they're gonna. I would expect they're going to be sellers at the July trade deadline. I think they're going to end up having to rebuild before long. So, you know, within the division, um, you know, I think their White Sox are in a good place and could challenge very soon. 
Going to be interesting uh, in the future. I think it's a two-team race going forward. Indians more than likely going to be sellers here in the future. And the White Sox and the Twins. The Twins are still at the top. They've had some injuries. Marwin Gonzalez goes down. He's on the DL. Byron Buxton IL. also there. Oh, IL. yes, the IL. I, I forget the new IL. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> as opposed right. to the disabled list of old days. Scott, this Twins team, good. But I, as you talked about with the White Sox, good enough to contend in a playoff series with the Astros, with the Yankees. Boy, that still seems like a stretch. How do you see it? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think they, they, they've got to pick up some more pitching at the trade deadline, I think. You know, offensively, they've been crushing the ball. Um, you know, I really like the moves they made last winter. You know, uh, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, I mean, he's so versatile. It's like having three different players. You know, it extends your bench when you have a guy like him because, you know, you can sight him around different positions. Um, Jonathan Scope, good addition. Nelson Cruz, I like a lot of what they've done, but I do think, you know, if they could go out and get a Madison Bumgarner, for example, I think that would change things. So Giants have to trade him. Uh, twins should be knocking on the door every day. Um, you know, I know there was some thought that that uh, when Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell were still free agents as recently as a couple weeks ago, um, you know, some scouts I talked to said they thought the Twins were going to get one of those guys, either add Keuchel to their rotation or Kimbrell to the bullpen. Obviously, Keuchel went to Atlanta, Kimbrell went to the Cubs, but. I think that's the thing for the Twins. I think they're going to have to add an arm or two. You can never have enough pitching. This is a year. I mean, they've got the best record in baseball they have for most of the first half of the season. Um, if they can add, uh, like I say, a Bumgarner, a Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, somebody like that, I think that would increase their chances of being able to uh, knock out the Yankees or Astros or somebody this fall. Another team that I find incredibly interesting is the Tampa Bay Rays, and they haven't even gotten a lot of the production from guys like Blake Snell, who was shelled a little bit yesterday. Uh, you know, they have a very odd-looking lineup. They, of course, super frugal, but at 43-31 and 31 this season, they've played pretty well against the Red Sox and the Yankees until the last few days. But uh, they seem to be a team that should, certainly should be in the playoff mix as we move forward this season. Do you see them as a potential kind of spoiler? Because I think they have the right amount of arms. It's just can they all be clicking and firing at the right time of the year? Yeah, I agree with that. And also with them, you probably also have to add with the right amount of arms, not only can they be clicking and firing at the right time, but can the Rays continue with the secret mix they do where they have an opener one day and not an opener the next? You know, the way the Rays mix and match their guys, um, you know, not only – are all those arms going to have to be on, but the Rays are going to have to continue to be smart about the way they deploy their guys. And I, I think, you know, they're, they're legit. There's no question. I mean, I, you know, they, they, uh, uh, you know, having Austin Meadows back in the lineup, he was out for a little while, but I mean, man, that kid can hit, um, you know, Blake Snell's legit, although he's not having the, the season he had last year, and he did get shelled by the Yankees last night. He only lasted, what, a third of an inning? Yeah. Six runs, two hits, and walked four. He just couldn't find the, the plate. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're legit, and they're going to be heard from. That they are. We're talking right now with Scott Miller, BleacherReport.com, a look around baseball. Hey, Scott, wanted to ask you this. We have a connection to San Diego right now. Well, a couple of different ones, but... 
Bryce Miller, longtime columnist with the Des Moines Register. I saw Bryce. He was in town visiting a couple of weeks back. You ever run across him up at the press box at Petco? Man, I, I uh, you got to be happy he's out of town. He's such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bryce. He is quite the character, no, no doubt. Yeah, he's he, yeah he I, yes yes I to answer your question I do run into him in the press box, not not a ton because he's as a columnist he doesn't you know obviously he's out doing other sports he's not just baseball mm-hmm. and as a national baseball writer I'm at in, at Petco Park in San Diego a fair amount but I'm not there every single game either so but yes Bryce and I do connect sometimes and. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he's such good people. Yeah, we're ha- I'm uh, I'm real happy to have him uh, in our town as a local columnist. It's uh, yeah, very very good to see, and good to see the Padres at least hanging around the the hill to climb against the Dodgers. Incredibly high, no doubt, but uh, certainly fun to see him out there. And and you lived in Minneapolis for a number of years, so I'm going to guess you guys yep. enjoy those winters just a little bit more in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm I'm happy where we are. I uh, yeah I I. I'm a Midwestern guy at heart. You know, my dad was born in Iowa, but he doesn't really? remember. He moved to Indiana pretty quick. He was born in Des Moines. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he moved to Indiana when he was one. But my parents are from Indiana. They were in, then they were in Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. I was in California then for about a few years. Then I was back in Minnesota. So I, anyway, I have significant time in Michigan and Minnesota. Um, but I have lived in San Diego out in this area now for about the last 20 years. And, uh, yeah, I, I love the Midwest. I love, I've got a ton of friends in Michigan and, and, you know, I, anytime I can get back there to visit them or to work baseball in the area is great. You know, I covered the NLCS last year, the Dodgers Brewers and, you know, the time in Milwaukee, you know, October was great. The leaves are beautiful. The, the, there's just something different about those Midwestern fan bases. I mean, when the Brewers are, you know, Dodgers, games go out to L.A. I mean, everybody in L.A. is into it, but there's also a ton of people that have other things going. When we were in Milwaukee, that's the attraction that day. Everybody's paying attention, and, you know, I always love that. But you're right, as, 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 a, as a baseball writer, especially because I get a little bit of my time off comes in the wintertime. So living where I am, yeah, I don't mind not being in the midst of winter. It's nice when I finally have a little free time on my hands that I can actually, you know, go outside for a run or, or you know, go out and do some things without, oh, I can't leave the house because it's zero degrees and 20 inches of snow. Yeah, and the, uh, there's about four or five months of the year. I wish I was in San Diego, too. Uh, last question from, from me, Scott. Uh, there was a team that has been kind of in the mix as a contender the last half dozen years or so that a lot of people written off based on what was going to happen in free agency. But I was not off of the bandwagon yet, and I still really am not. And that's the Washington Nationals playing a little bit better recently. They're three games under 500 still, but there's just something about the makeup of the team, the the starting pitching, their lineup in general, because they don't really have a weakness offensively in terms of the guys when they're fully healthy around the diamond, but uh, certainly need to address the bullpen. This has been kind of a weird team because it always seems like they've had the pieces to be a contender and they haven't ever been able to put it together in October. Are you giving up on them yet? I know the National League is extremely crowded, but it seems like if they can play the right kind of ball and add an arm or two in that bullpen, they're going to be a problem moving into to August and September. Yeah, I'm glad you asked about the Nationals. That was a big night last night for them sweeping the Phillies in a doubleheader. You know, now 
they've got some distance to climb. They're eight games behind Atlanta, only four behind Philadelphia, and they're still under 500. They're 35 and 38. But yes, when I was at Nationals camp in Florida this spring, um, a couple of their uh, top baseball ops people insisted to me, look, we're not writing off the loss of Bryce Harper. He was great. We loved having him. But we're a better team right now. The pieces fit better together. The moves they made, in other words, signing Patrick Corbin and others, uh, they thought the moves they made um, were going to outweigh losing Bryce Harper. And so they were really, really bullish on that on their team this year. And I actually picked them to win the division. So then you're right. They, they got off. But part of the reason for that miserable start, you know, remember Trey Turner, uh, broke his finger early in the year and he was out for about six weeks and i mean you know it's hard to lose your shortstop for that long you know um, and a leadoff hitter Soto. yeah and your leadoff hitter right great great point and you're exactly right and you know he was out uh, Juan soto was on the disabled list for a while il um <laughs> IL. you did it too scott <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to teach an old dog. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But anyway, uh, yeah, they had some injuries, and they're finally starting to put it together. So I, I do think it would be a mistake to write the Nationals off. The other reason I'm glad you brought them up, that doubleheader sweep last night, mm-hmm. the second game, uh, Max Scherzer going to the hill mm. with a broken nose, and as a result of that is – right eye has about three different shades of black i mean that i've always i've said last few years he's my favorite guy to watch i love watching scherzer he is such a horse out there his emotions his competitiveness i mean and for him to break his nose the day before when a bunt went off his bat into his face during batting practice then he goes out last night throws seven shutout innings 10 strikeouts 117 pitches, you know, looking like he just went a few rounds with Muhammad Ali. I mean, that that was one of my favorite nights of the year so far. Yes, it was. He's a gamer. Love that guy. Love the intensity and love talking baseball with Scott Miller. Hey, Scott, out of time for today. Thanks for uh, taking a little time away from your breakfast to hang out with us. We'll do it again soon. <laughs> All right, Trent, Henry, you guys take care. Yep, there he good. is, Scott Miller. St. Paul Pioneer Press, long time with CBSSports.com, and now over at Bleacher Report. That'll work. Yeah. I, 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 not a good journey, and he's ended up in a good spot. Good for him. Yes. And I, San Diego. Basically agreed with everything he said. So Smart guy. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I've, I've been on this Nationals thing when they were really good, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, they're going to win. I was like, yeah, they're going to win, and then they didn't win. But then they lost Bryce Harper, and everybody's like, "All right, well, you can forget about them." Have you looked at like if they're healthy with their with their what the diamond looks like? Oh, it's great. They have Jan Gomes behind the plate with Kurt Suzuki as his backup, mm-hmm. and then Ryan Zimmerman, Brian Dozier, Trey Turner, and Anthony Rendon on the infield. That's four, as good as you're going to find four all stars. Juan Soto, Victor Robles, two of the great young outfielders in the mm-hmm. game, and Adam Eaton, who's an all star caliber player. Also, Went healthy. And they're two, definitely, I know. <laughs> That's a caveat trust, you have to put trust, with Adam Eaton. Trust me, I know. Uh-huh. And then their backup outfielders are Gerardo Parra and Michael A. Taylor. Howie Kendrick is their utility player. I mean, Wilmer Defoe is also a guy that they use yep. kind of liberally around the infield. That is an excellent 
batting order as well, as long as they're healthy, and they're not all healthy. And then you have Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg as your top three starting pitchers. How is this team under five hundred right now? Injuries and the worst and, bullpen and in the, baseball. Besides Baltimore. I will nah. Baltimore is worse than they are in the bullpen. Regardless, they're both awful. They're Something terrible, about that yep. corridor. Not good bad. for bullpen. The beltway yes. is bad. Let's get a break. We're gonna put, come back and we'll wrap things up. Put a, put a bow on it. Hour forty five has flown by already. Time flies when you're having fun. That is very true. We'll come back. We'll get final thoughts for a memory song, including with the draft tonight. Make your call. You don't get any of the top three picks. Oh, come on. A little bit deeper. Who's going to turn into a star? I got two guys I'm in love with, kind of in that teen range. I I got, I got a couple. I, I'll give you a couple. And then you can beat your chest if you're right a couple years down the road when you're watching a guy in the finals or in the all-star game. I was right about this guy. How did he go 16? I knew it. We'll try to beat our chest next. We come back. Miller and and Emery Songer in for Ken Miller on 1460. <laughs> Segment on a Thursday. Miller and Connor continues. 1460 KXNO. Emery Songer in for Ken Miller. Ken, get ready for the Stones tomorrow night Ooh. in Soldier Field. Uh, I think he's on the flight right now to Chi Town for a couple of days. But then he got the call from his other gig, working at CG Technology on the horse racing side as a consultant. He's got to go to Vegas next week. He's got to go. Comes back Saturday. Then he's got to get back on a plane, plane Sunday and go to Vegas for three days. So, Emery, you want to join me maybe a day next week? Give me at least one day. All right, we got I mean, you. I mean, I, I feel like at this point we're going to have some fun. Yes. No matter what day it is. But I, I think we'll have plenty to talk about. No doubt about it. So, Emery uh, got a press release here. As yesterday the news came out, former Iowa volleyball coach Bon Shemansky had been officially fired by the University of Iowa. Yes. A very well-worded document from the university because you fire somebody, you don't want to have to pay out. Well, now we get the response on the other side. A day later, Bon Shemansky with a press release of his own. Former University of Iowa head women's volleyball coach Bon Shemansky acknowledges that an NCAA violation was committed when he provided financial assistance to a team member during the summer of 2017 to cover her rent. You know, as these things go, there's a lot of speculation. Yep. A lot of innuendo about what possibly could be. A lot of different avenues to go here. I, it's all murky and cloudy. This from Shemansky. For the past month, I have cooperated with the university's request to remain silent regarding the underlying basis for my suspension. Now that I've been terminated... It is time to shed light on the details and end any wild speculation. Good response there. Back to the quote. I did not discriminate against, abuse, or harass anyone, and there has never been an allegation of sexual misconduct against me. In an act of compassion, I advanced funds to cover a young woman's unanticipated summer expenses in 2017. She came to Iowa City expecting to be on full scholarship, but when that status changed, she had nowhere else to turn. I prided myself on running an NCAA-compliant program. However, I understand that I didn't do it right by NCAA standards in this one instance, and I'm prepared to accept whatever sanction is deemed appropriate by the NCAA. This wasn't anything of sexual nation. This wasn't physical abuse. This wasn't paying AU coach to steer a player to the university. This was, this has happened to me when I was in college. Got tuition for the fall, for the spring, 
and you got to take summer classes, financially it isn't there. It happened to me. I don't know if this is a similar circumstance here, but it doesn't seem anything quite as egregious as maybe what was first let out there a month ago. Yeah, and here's the thing, the NCAA, I mean, you, you can't do anything. Yeah. And... I don't know. I guess I need more. I, I need more sides to this story to 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 decide what certain level of egregiousness it is. But uh, it certainly is good to know that it was a financial situation and it was not a uh, sexual or abuse level situation. Yes. And now we know. Now we know. Helped out a student athlete paying the rent. That's for Bon Shemansky. Don't have to go any deeper in. The disappointing part about this, Iowa Volleyball, going back 20 years ago when I was there, awful. Mm-hmm. Just awful. As you see, the success that you and I have had under Bobby Peterson, I yep. mean, they've been great. Yep. Iowa State has developed that program over the last decade, becoming perennial NCAA tournament. I mean, team. Midwest team's good. Big Ten, yeah. Ten's a heck of a conference. Penn State, Nebraska, I mean, geez. Minnesota's been great for a number of years. The Big Ten is the best conference as a whole. And Iowa has been, they've been awful. They finally seem to be turning it around, finally getting at least competitive in the Big Ten. And then this happens. Yep. And the firing to go along with it. Heavy-handed from Gary Bart, a guy that, boy, doesn't have a whole lot of quivers uh, left in his arrows left in his quiver. He's, I don't know what kind of job security that he thinks he has, Mm -hmm. but he has to know that he's got to take care of business in the most... uh, uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? In the most diplomatic way possible. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> Don't get in trouble. And I guess he got out in front of this one, didn't want this to be a murky area, yep. and decided, you know what? It's a volleyball coach. It's not football. It's not men's basketball. You get away with doing that. He, let's just go the easiest way here and go that route. Maybe that's the case here hmm. with Gary Barta. All right, we're going to get out of here. Prediction time, Emery Songer. Yep. Zion Williamson. No, he can't have... <laughs> Come on! The guy that you believe can turn into an NBA star, that isn't going to be one of the first three guys. He can't go Zion, Morant... Barrett. Barrett. Uh, I have two. Two. Can I, can, I, can I do two? Give us two. I think the sooner guy who is going to make the bigger impact is Sekou Dumbuya from France. I'll take your word on it. I know nothing about it. Uh, he might sneak into the top ten. He's yes. built a little bit like Pascal Siakam. Okay. He's got, you know, he started basketball late like Joel Embiid did. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of physical tools. He's 6'9", a great defender, good shot blocker, great rim protector. Shot already a little bit further along than those guys are. Mm. I, I, I like him. He's super young, super raw. What's going to happen? I'm not. He could be the next Tim Thomas. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen with him there. But uh, he, I think he could be a guy that you could see in a good team's rotation immediately, depending on who picks him. Oh, and I think teams might reach on him knowing what he could be. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my other guy that I think could – he's one or two tools away from being a, a legitimate star, and that's Romeo Langford out of Indiana. He, if he, He's a three-point shot and a little bit of discipline away from being a legit player. He's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He plays the two-guard, and he kind of reminds me of DeMar DeRozan a little bit. He's a little bit bigger than DeRozan is, but he kind of is a little bit lackadaisical and everything. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I think that if he gets the three-point shot going, teams feel like they can fix that on him. He's going he's gonna to be a good, good player in the NBA. P.J. Washington and another Wildcat, Tyler Hero. Okay. I don't know if Hero's going to turn into a good player, but... Nope. White dude from Wisconsin, he's a ballin'. Great, and he's a great. He's got a great name. But I love P.J. Washington. He's a guy, I don't know, he'll never average 20 a game, but he'll be 16-8, and eight, 
productive member, powerful. Lottery pick for sure. Old school. PJ Washington, we're out. Talk to you tomorrow.